The new year is often a time of reflection, a chance to look back on the past 365 days and remember. Sometimes the memories bring a smile, and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead, to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As a new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Wow, I love that thought. God has been faithful in the past year, and he will continue to be faithful in this coming year of 2022. In him, the old is gone, the new has come, and that's a great promise for us to, to, uh, to just bank on. I would like to, since we just sang, take it to the Lord in prayer many times. Let's take this message to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, send your spirit to be in our hearts and minds in our midst today as, as we dive into Philippians chapter 4. Lord, we know without you it is impossible for us to understand, much less make use of these words. And it was said right at the beginning of the service, that's our goal here, is, is that these words would sink deep into our hearts and then come out of our feet and our hands, our mouths, and uh, be used in our own lives, and to share the gospel with others. We pray today, Lord, that you empower this message and, uh, and give us your grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to read. This is, <laughs> this is one of my favorite passages, actually. So I'm excited. Pastor Dustin assigned this one to me. It's from Philippians 4. If you want to follow along, it's also in your program. Philippians 4. Verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, yes. And I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So if you want to uh, pull out your sermon outline, uh, you'll find it in your program. You can use that to follow along in today's message. So I'm going to do something that for me is pretty unusual. You won't hear me do this very often because to me I feel like I'm apologizing for the message when I do what I'm about to do before it comes out of my mouth. I'm not really apologizing for the message uh, as I issue this disclaimer about today's message. I'm just saying that all of us as Christians have to exercise one caution when we're talking about emotional health. And that caution I've discovered in my life is against thinking that there is always a one-to-one -one correspondence between your spiritual health and your emotional health. That spiritual strength equals emotional fortitude. The problem with equating it that way is sometimes when someone goes through uh, an emotional struggle, what's their conclusion going to be if that's a one-to-one -one correspondence? Their conclusion is going to be, God has left me, God doesn't love me anymore, my faith is weak, I'm spiritually damaged. And here's the problem with that. And this is a biblical truth that we all need to grab hold of as we talk about emotional strength and emotional health. And that is, we are sinful fallen people living in a sinful fallen world, and that has not just affected one aspect or one dimension of our being. Paul in Romans 13, for example, says that all of creation is waiting in eager expectation for Christ to deliver us from the pains of sin, meaning that everything is affected by our fallenness. For you, what that means, for me, what that means is not only is our spiritual life affected by our sins, but it also means our physical life is affected. We're subject to illness and disease and injury. Our mental slash rational health is affected. Sometimes we live on the basis of what psychologists and counselors sometimes call stinking thinking, what Christians sometimes call Satan's lies that become ideas in our mind and take us off course from truth. And when we're off course from truth, it's like being off course from the law of gravity. You can think the law of gravity doesn't apply, but if you test out that theory and jump off of a tall building, you're going to find that that stinking thinking is going to do great damage to you. It's also true of us emotionally. And so before I dive in, talking a lot about how our spiritual health will affect our emotional health, I just want you to have this caution 
I don't know if I should really call it a disclaimer, because your spiritual health does have a great effect on your emotional health. And it's important to tend to your spiritual health for the sake of not only your spiritual health, but your emotional health. But it's not a one-to-one -one correspondence. Let me, to prove this to you or to show this to you, list a, a, a set of physical conditions that might cause you to enter into depression or anxiety. These are well known in the medical world. Did you know that, for example, if you have heart problems, lung disease, diabetes, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic pain, chronic inflammation, I couldn't even memorize this whole list, cancer, brain, tumor, brain tumors, head injury, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, stroke, epilepsy, lupus, or liver disease, any of those, one of, one of the symptoms might be that you would become depressed or anxious. Not even maybe knowing yet that you have any of those disease and not suspecting for a moment that your emotional health might be the result of something that's physically going on inside your body. Now, please don't go home and scramble through the internet looking like I'm sad today. Do I have cancer? But I, I just want to, to show you that sometimes very healthy people spiritually can still undergo deep emotional struggles. And, and we see that throughout the Bible, to be frank. We see that with great Christians, some of whom I'll mention later on in the message. Now, having said all that, now I'm going to dive in and say, Paul gives us an amazing passage today, which he wrote uh, uh, to the Philippians to help them in their emotional health. And I can tell you that when I went through my clinical depression many years ago, and to this day, this is reason why I call this a favorite of mine, it it is one I go to often when I'm feeling anxious or depressed and has spiritually strengthened me, but I, I believe also that spiritual strength has spilt over into my emotional strength. So let's dive into what Paul says, and we're going to talk about uh, three things this morning. We're going to talk about the spirit worked or the spirit-produced foundation of emotional health, then we're going to talk about the spirit-worked fruit of emotional health. And then finally, we're going to talk about the spirit-worked practice of emotional health. So Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So I have a picture I want to show you. And I want you to analyze for me, what's the dominant emotion being displayed on this photo? Yeah, happiness, right? You see some joy there? I do. I love that picture. Gets me giggling, actually. And it reminds me of my grandkids. But doesn't it create a question? The question for me is, what's the baby looking at? that has put that joy on, so obvious on his face. 
And I have some theories to answer that question. I, I think maybe he's looking at his mom. Maybe he's looking a little bit less likely at his dad, although not completely less likely. <laughs> maybe, this is my favorite, he's looking at his grandparents. <laughs> but he's, he's like... He, this baby has not been taught to hold back and be stoic. He is seeing something. He is in what we might call the sphere of someone looking down on him, and they've created a connection, a little bubble between the grandparents, of course, and the baby, right? Well, I want you to go back to the text because there, there's a phrase in there that is, really important. Paul is not just writing to the Philippians and saying, rejoice always. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'd have you underline that phrase because it's so critical and so important. And then notice what Paul reminds them at the very end. After he says, let your gentleness be, known to, uh, be evident to all, he says, the Lord is near. That baby picture, someone that that baby enjoys is near. And when it says, rejoice in the Lord always, what, what, it, what it means is that he wants you to be in the sphere in your daily life of the Lord's love, the Lord's forgiveness, the Lord's grace. Because when you are consistently reminding yourself, hey, I'm in this sphere, of, of the Lord and, and His influence over my life, His power, His control over things, His love, His grace, His forgiveness, that changes everything about what's going on in your life, no matter how adverse the circumstances of your life might be, which Paul is going to address later on, how tough things are at work right now, how much you're struggling at home with your family, your spouse, your kids, your parents, if you are reminded you're in the sphere of the Lord's love, that's going to change how you view things. You know that counselors often say two things. If you're struggling, depression, anxiety, you can change two things. You know what those two things are? Change your circumstances. Put your current circumstances behind them. Now, what's the trouble if that's always the strategy? You know what the trouble with that strategy, if it's your constant strategy? You will always be running. The other thing counselors say is you can change your perspective on what you're currently enduring. And that's what Paul is urging upon you here. Those of you who are old like me, maybe some of you younger people too, will remember some of the early science fiction pictures, these were just paintings and representations of what life was going to be for future people when they lived on the moon. What did that look like? There was always on the surface of the moon a bubble. And the picture of life on the moon or on Mars was a picture of life inside this bubble where there's air and there's water and you can grow things and all of this stuff was life in the bubble. This is what Paul is saying, but not life on the moon, life in a fallen world, which spiritually speaking 
is just as barren as life on the moon physically is because it's a fallen world. And so Paul is really saying, put yourself inside the bubble of God's love. And when you do that, you may not always escape the circumstances. We're going to talk in just a moment about how God's peace and our emotional struggles don't always work so that God's peace comes in and our struggles fall away. We're going to talk about how maybe more often God's peace comes in while simultaneously, side by side, it's a both and, you're going through your struggles and your pain and at the same time God's peace is there for you, parallel. One foot on the left track, the other foot on the right track at all times. And, and, and what you can do to change your perspective in the midst of your pain is remind yourself there's more than one track here. This left track has pain in it, but this right track, I'm living in the bubble and thriving on God's love and forgiveness and grace. So here's what I want you to write down. The foundation of emotional health is joy in the Lord. Would you put that picture up of the foundation? This is a foundation for what? It's a foundation for a skyscraper. Notice something about this foundation. That does not look like the foundation of the house that you built. I want you to look at all the planning and all the organization and all the material that has to go in when you are building a tall building. The taller the building, it's well known, the deeper the foundation has to go. And what Paul is saying here is joy, that represents joy in the Lord. The more we're able, even in the toughest of situations and circumstances, to still direct our eyes to what God has done for us and will continue to do for us, to, as we just sang, to God's past faithfulness and His promise of future faithfulness, the stronger our faith foundation will be. And there's nothing more important because you know tall buildings, right? What if there's an earthquake? Is it a different scenario than a home? What if there's an attack, as many of us have experienced in our own lifetimes? What if there are high winds? And, and, and will you go through attacks and high winds and earthquakes in your spiritual life it's guaranteed you will because Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. So Paul is saying, first of all, tend to your foundation by being connected and growing deep into the word and into those gospel promises that remind you God has built a bubble for you, a bubble of his grace, and he wants you to live inside of it. Let's continue with what Paul wrote to the, the Philippians. And, and notice in all of these, I'm calling these the Spirit-worked foundation, the Spirit-worked fruit, because only the Holy Spirit is able to help us do these things. We could never do them on our own. Here's what Paul says. 
Do not be anxious about anything. Let's just ask the simple question. We'll stop right there for a moment. Is that even possible in your own strength? Is Paul asking you to do something impossible, or is he reminding you you're going to need help? And you're probably going to fail at times. But still, he keeps the bar high. I love that about the Apostle Paul. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. When you're feeling anxious, when your emotional health, or your spiritual health for that matter, feels shaky, what's Paul saying? Take it to the Lord. Don't run from the Lord because you feel shaky. Too many people do that. One of the, the worst things that we can do to create our own problems, and many people do it, I've done it, is to isolate ourselves when we're struggling emotionally, when we're depressed, when we're anxious, when we're grieving. One of the arguments we'll foist ourselves on ourselves is, I don't want to subject anyone else to this pain. They don't need it. They've got enough going on in their own lives. I better just stay quiet and deal. Paul says that's a lie of the devil, of the deceiver. Paul says, first of all, get more connected to the Lord and to each other. Notice earlier, I, I, I'm not, these, this isn't in the notes, but there's a struggle in this congregation between two ladies. Syntyche and Euodia, and what does Paul say? Get together. Figure it out. Solve conflicts. And do you know why that's so important? Let me ask you, do any of you have any unresolved anger or conflicts in your life? Maybe you're angry with your parents. Maybe you're angry with who you thought was your best friend. Maybe you're angry with a spouse or your kids. You have unresolved conflicts, which Paul jumps on here. Yodian Syntyche, we need to work that out right away. Why? Do you know how high the estimate of the correspondence between depression and anxiety and unresolved anger and conflict is? Some medical experts will go as high as 85% of all emotional illness is related to unresolved anger and conflict. Think about that. More than eight, that would leave only one and a half people who are going through depression and other things that it's, that it's due maybe to a physical illness or what have you. And, and I remember in particular this one psychologist that wrote about this and said, if we could resolve conflict, if we could teach people how to step through the hurt and then the anger they feel over past things, we would solve most of our emotional health problems. Can you think, can you imagine? That it, that it could pop. Why does Jesus say, say in the Lord's Prayer, when he teaches us how to pray, forgive us, Lord, as we forgive one another. To remind us how important forgiveness and moving past our hurt and our anger is also to our emotional health. So we go on, and the peace, here's the promise of this, 
If you reconnect to God through prayer, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Who in the Bible, a little quiz here, Bible quiz. Who in the Bible is called the counselor or the comforter? Anyone? The Holy Spirit. You see why I said the Spirit produced? Jesus knows how tough life is. Oh my goodness, does Jesus know how tough life is? The one who was led to a cross, undeservedly so, who could have easily held on to his own anger, who could have easily, on the other hand, destroyed those who arrested him, tried him. He shows that even when they arrest him. And those soldiers, if you know the story, at one point, it's, it's me, I'm here, go tumbling back. And then he holds back his power and his authority and they arrest him. You see, he didn't have to do it that way, but he did because of his mercy and his grace, his love toward you and toward me. And so as we look at this now, we see that God has given us who have to live in this very tough life as he lived before us, a counselor, a capital C counselor, a comforter, a capital C comforter that we can go to. And where do we find the Holy Spirit? We find him right here. One of my favorite places, I'll, I'll give you a very practical recommendation. I believe the Holy Spirit caused David to write. You want, you want to talk about a man that went through a lot of emotional struggles? Was pretty down sometimes? Knew about dealing with guilt? Knew a struggle with repentance and resolving? You probably couldn't find a person who's put that struggle more eloquently and more beautifully than David. And it's always interested me, do, do you know this trick? How do you most quickly find the Psalms? You know the trick? Anyone? Open your Bible right in the middle. If you ever wonder, where can I, where can I find the Spirit? In times when I'm grieving or hurting, broken inside, feeling depressed or anxious, just open your Bible halfway and start reading. Look and even see most of them at the very top. Say, this is a Psalm of David or this isn't. Psalm 139 would be a great place to start. It's just a beautiful psalm for those who are struggling. So here's what I want you to write down. The fruit of emotional health, the fruit of connecting with the Holy Spirit, asking for his help, is the peace of God. That's what Paul promises. Don't be anxious about anything. Take your stuff to the Lord. Present your request to God and the peace of God. Not just any old peace. Not the peace of video games. Because you do get peace from video games. I do. I mean, they engage you. And pretty soon you're not feeling what you were feeling before because you're so focused on the game. Not the peace of chemicals. 
because chemicals fade. Not even the piece of talking it out with a friend, which is a very good, healthy thing to do, especially if it's a, a Christian friend. They can't always solve the problems. Sometimes they can be good listeners, though, and I would encourage that we do that. But go to God. Open your Bible halfway. Let the Spirit be poured into your heart, and the peace of God will be the fruit. Put that picture up, if you would, of the fruit. Oh, I get hungry looking at that picture. You know I have a friend. My former, I'm just going to out him because he doesn't care. We've done this many times. Uh, one of my best friends, my former colleague at my previous church in Phoenix, cannot even stand the smell of fruit. He gags, literally physically gags. I'm shocked at that. Because when I look at that, I'm like, please give me more and a little whipped cream on top. What is fruit? Healthy fruit is the product of a healthy tree. And, and, and when we are healthy spiritually and emotionally and, and willing to live connected with the Holy Spirit, we produce fruit. This is God's promise. And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit that's produced in us and through us is peace. But many others, Galatians 5 says, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on and so forth. Read it for yourself. Beautiful fruit that we get to produce because the Holy Spirit is working through us. The fruit of emotional health is the peace of God. Now, I'm going to remind you, what did I start this sermon by saying? It may not always be perfect peace in the here and now, in this fallen world, in your fallen heart. If that's your expectation, unfortunately, that's going to cause you a lot of additional pain. Because I've said this before from here, I'll remind you, what's this space called? When you have the bar of expectation up here and your perceived reality bar is down here, what's this space called? That's called your disappointment and emotional pain. So if you go in saying, I am praying, I am going to God, I am connected, I feel healthy, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing my devotions, I'm in church every Sunday, and I still, I feel broken and in pain. God, what are you doing? What about these promises? I want you to remember that there are so many other factors. And to, to illustrate that, a number of years ago, there, there was an experiment carried out on a group of people that had severe clinical depression. And they prescribed something that was like a miracle cure for nearly 70% of them. And they were amazed at the outcome of this experiment. Do you know what the prescription was? 12 weeks of taking a 30-minute walk three times a week. 
And they were 65-something percent of them were cured of their depression, better than if they had been put on an antidepressant. Is that not amazing? Three times a week, you take a 30-minute walk. That's how your physical and your spiritual and your emotion are all balled up and intertwined. They found that you got a better result if you took a 30-minute walk every day. 30 minutes to feel emotionally strong and healthy. Now imagine you do something like that, which is a physical effect. Not that I'm against medication for depression, by the way. I want to say that very clearly. I myself have been on it before. And it helped me tremendously. But imagine you can do some of these other little things, plus be connected to the Spirit. Plus listen to to David and Paul and Elijah, as we heard last week. And many others talk about their struggles and their pain and their brokenness. Man, you can pile these things up. And then always remember, finally, it's all up to God. Always remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was was made to go so crazy that he ate grass like a cow for, for years. Only God could heal him. And sometimes that's true of us too. Sometimes we need divine supernatural intervention and we're meant to be in pain and brokenness even as we equally experience the peace that Jesus has for us. Now that's tough when that happens. I would still encourage you to do everything you can to strengthen yourself spiritually. Still do the things physically that are going to help you be emotionally healthy. And then, in prayer, offer it up to God. Here's, here's the final section, and then we'll close out. Paul writes this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'll come back to that in a moment. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. There's a, there's a great contemporary Christian song that talks about the eyes of our heart. You have the eyes of your mind. And what is Paul making us aware of this morning? That the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our mind are no different from the eyes plugged into our face. Meaning, how, how do your eyes go to any particular place? I'm looking at Bill right now. How'd they get there? The muscles of my eyes directed them at him. Paul is in essence saying, do you know that there are sort of muscles of the eyes of your heart, muscles of the eyes of your mind that you can use to direct where your eyes go? And if the eyes of your mind are directed to a certain place, what are you most likely to think about? When I directed my physical eyes to Bill, I was thinking, I wonder how he feels about me calling him out in the middle of this message. I looked at Bill and I thought about Bill. Wherever my eyes go, 
whether it's the eyes of my face, the eyes of my mind, the eyes of my heart, that's what I'm most going to think about. It's so interesting because if you ever take motorcycle lessons, this is how strong the connection is. What you will be taught is if you're going through an area and winding through and there are obstacles on both sides and obstacles in the middle, where should you not look even though you seriously badly want to look there? You should not look at those obstacles. You're like, what? That's crazy. I got to see the obstacles so I know where not to go. And every instructor will teach you, look not at the obstacles, look at the open space because you need to be thinking about the open space to maneuver the bike through the open space. Think about this. I'm going to mention something very sensitive and very prevalent. If your ears are a little tender and sensitive, you might want to plug them. We have a huge problem in our world today with pornography. Many of us are sitting behind our computers, poisoning our hearts and our minds by what we're looking at. And we don't even realize in this moment, how much poison is going into our hearts and minds. And pornography is just one good example of how this works spiritually. If your brokenness involves greed, you may not want to stare all day long at your stock investments because that might just suck you in and become an idol for you. Whatever it might be, it's, it's interesting in the Bible what it says about a cup of wine, a chemical, and how it sparkles and glitters and looks so attractive. And the Bible says, I just want to warn you about where you're directing the eyes of your heart and mind. And this is, this is what Paul says. He said it earlier. Remember, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Now, that's the challenge. Thank God we have the cross. Because you know, as I know, that we often do direct the eyes of our heart and mind to places that lead us into sin. Thank God we have God's forgiveness and grace every day. His mercies are new every morning. But here's the point I want you to write down as we wind down. A Christ follower's emotional health results from a practice. Notice what Paul has said. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. And what do I mean when I say it is a practice? I mean this is extremely challenging. And you are going to fail. And you are going to go to the cross for forgiveness. It's just reality. And if you expect anything else... You're going to be disappointed. But by saying to yourself, it's a practice, this is what you're saying. It's an every day I return to it. It's not something I do just one and done to believe in Jesus Christ, to trust in him, to be strong spiritually is to wake up every morning and say, yep, today I got to put the spiritual armor on again. Yep, today I got to have my devotion again. Yep, today I got to plan my week so I can be in church on Sunday. Yep, today... 
I got to talk to a friend and resolve some anger. It's a practice, meaning it's an everyday thing and it never has an ending. You're just always trying to get a little bit stronger. My encouragement is make your spiritual health and thus your emotional health a practice. Let's pray about that right now. Dear Father in heaven, you've done so much for us. And, and yes, we are fallen people living in a fallen world, and, and we need that help. We need your Holy Spirit to be our counselor and comforter. So Lord, we pray for that today. And we pray that every person in this room, as a result of Paul's words that you inspired him to say, will go home and say, yep, I need to build a practice. Because I'm going to be challenged on these things every day, but if I build a practice of, rem of being reminded I can live in the bubble of your love and I can be connected to your faithfulness to me, so many good things can happen in a lifetime. Lord, we pray that you would bless our efforts today to turn our lives into a practice of our faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.